Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Words to Live By series, which is taken from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Well, Matthew chapter number 7 is where we're going to begin today. We'll be there in just a second. I've got to ask, how many of you are like me and it's hard to make decisions. Anybody here like that? You just find people like that. I'm a person, there's certain areas of life that I'm like, no, I made a decision, let's go, we can do this. But there's other areas that it's just kind of like the I don't care areas. It's like, you know, if, if Hannah's like, hey, what do you want for dinner? I'm like, honestly, I don't care. She's like, well, I really want to, it's your birthday. What do you want for your birthday? I'm like, I, I don't care. Christmas shopping, right? Black Friday, Cyber Monday tomorrow. And Hannah last week, she was like, hey, what do you want for Christmas? And my answer, I don't care. Like, I just, I don't know. I don't, well, make a choice. Well, uh, socks. Give me a pair of socks, you know? Uh, I don't know. Give me a brand new car, you know? Um, man, there's certain people just have a hard time making up decisions. I was out to eat with a pastor friend a couple of weeks ago. Hannah and I were, were back east and and uh, this pastor friend, he had brought his daughter, and uh, we were there with the host pastor and the youth pastor and myself and this other uh, speaker and, and our wives, and then uh, his, his daughter was there, and it's this really fancy Italian restaurant. And we were there, and the menu was like a book, you know? I mean, it's just, there's so much stuff on there. And uh, at our end of the table, me and the guy next to me, we kind of decided what we had want, wanted to eat. And, and we looked down and we were, you know, everybody's like, hey, what are you going to get? You know, asking that famous question. And, oh, maybe I'll get that too. And we looked down and someone asked the, the daughter, said, well, what are you going to get? She said, I just don't know. She was like, I'm waiting to hear back. <laughs> His, her dad went, waiting to hear back? Waiting to hear back from who? And she was like, well, I text a friend. <laughs> well, what'd you text your friend? Well, I text her the menu, and I asked her what I should get, you know? And we were all looking, and sure enough, she got an answer back, and she ordered it. She didn't like it, but she ordered it. And you know what? There's certain people that when you go through life, uh, there's certain decisions and choices that were given that it's kind of, it's kind of a, a tough choice. And you just, you just look, and you think, man, I just, I just can't decide on what I want to do with this. But then there are other certain decisions that... If you know the choice and you know the consequence, it's an easy decision. For instance, if your choice was to eat a cheeseburger and find nourishment or to eat dog food and get sick, you would probably choose a cheeseburger. The, the choice and the consequence are, are defined. They're easy. If you had the choice between spending time in jail or spending time with your spouse, you, that's a bad one, never mind. <clears throat> now, the truth is, there's a lot of choices that, that the choice and the consequence, they, they really help me make my decision. But I want us to think about this a little bit of a step further. I mean, if you were to make a choice to do your job correctly and receive a raise, or do your job incorrectly and be fired. Man, the choice is clear, isn't it? The decision, the consequence, they are vastly different. And to a clear-thinking person, that's an easy decision to make. 
Well, this morning, as we come to Matthew chapter number seven, we're going to be given some decisions to consider as well as their consequences. And after we see these, I really believe that the decision that you and I need to make today will be made very clear. We come this morning to our last message in our study, Words to Live By. We've been going through this series studying the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus uh, spoke these famous words that you read from Matthew chapter 5 to Matthew chapter number 7. If you remember the context, Jesus has been traveling. This is probably during uh, maybe about a year into his ministry, maybe a little bit less than that, about 10 months perhaps. But Jesus has been traveling in that northern region of Galilee. And he's up there and he travels to a hillside. And the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter number five that he separates himself from a multitude and they follow him into a hillside. And Jesus begins with his disciples in mind, his his followers in mind, he begins speaking to them and delivering words to them that he knew would be literally life-shattering words. They would completely change the course of their life. And as, as Jesus began to speak these words and teach to them, we know that multitudes of people would be there. Many believe up near maybe 1,000 to 2,000 people would have been on the hillside there of the uh, just west and north of the Sea of Galilee, that area. And I've been to this place, and we wonder, how could you hear? How could you hear Jesus speak? But this incredible man, uh, God-made amphitheater is just amazing where one can speak, and literally 150, 200 yards away, you could hear them just like they're right next to you. Just an incredible area. I, I was going to play the clip, but it's not that good on our sound system. But you just, it's an amazing, amazing area what you can hear. And Jesus got up, and he began speaking these words to them. He spoke words about how to find real joy. How to find real joy. We call them the Beatitudes where he says, blessed are the meek and blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. And he goes through those Beatitudes that you find in the first 12 verses, 11 verses of Matthew 5. And it was contrary to popular thinking. See, popular thinking at the day said, if you have religion, you'll be happy. Popular thinking of the day said, if you have money, you'll be happy. Popular thinking of the day said, if you can uh, be like those next to you, you'll be happy. And Jesus came on the scene and said, no, you'll find real happiness, real joy when you have a relationship with me, when you have a relationship with God. Jesus taught this thinking to them. He goes through a number of things, and we're not going to take time to rehearse everything, but he's spoken to them about uh, serving God because you love God rather than serving for the eyes of man. You see, we can go through life, can't we? And we can do things for the eyes of people. And Jesus came on the scene and said, hey, don't do things for the eyes of people. Do things for God and God alone. When you pray, pray to God. Don't be like the hypocrites that stand in the corners and in the streets and in the markets and they want people to hear their prayers. No, do life for me alone. Serve because of me. Love and grow because of me. And Jesus spoke with the followers about being a, an extra mile follower. Man, be someone who goes above and beyond. And he's taught about focusing upon eternity. And he challenged them, his listeners, to don't allow the cares of this life and the anxieties of this life to consume your thinking. Instead, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. And then most recently, Jesus spoke to his followers about encouraging them how to help others. We, we saw that message two weeks ago, how to really help people around you. We saw first that if we're going to help people around us, we need to 
be concerned about our own life first. Jesus said, hey, don't be worried about taking the the moat out of someone else's eye when you have a beam in yours. Don't be worried about the twig in someone else's eye when there's a two by four in your vision. If you're going to help people, focus on your heart. We learned that if we're going to help people, we need to uh, seek God's wisdom in who to help. He said, hey, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. And then he goes through, hey, if, if your earthly dad knows how to give good gifts, your heavenly father is going to give to them that asketh him and seeketh him. And if you and I are going to really help people, we've got to seek God's wisdom. But then we learned, we learned thirdly two weeks ago that if we're really going to help people, it's the old familiar golden rule. If you're really going to help somebody, you need to be what you expect. You know, sometimes we want people to be kind to us, and we're not kind to them. Sometimes we want people to have a right attitude with us, and we don't have a right attitude with them. And Jesus said, hey, don't be like the Pharisees and the hypocrites, because they treat people horribly, and they want to be treated right. Jesus said, you're never going to help somebody that way. As we come to our time in the Word of God tonight, or this morning, we're going to come to this last message in our series And it's a time when Jesus calls the listeners to a decision. He gives them the decision and the consequence. And what we're going to see very last today is the truth that the choice is up to you and me. Our everyday choice is up to you and me. Take your Bible, if you would. Let's go to Matthew chapter number 7, and let's stand together. If you're able to stand, Matthew chapter 7. And I'm going to begin reading in verse number 13 of Matthew 7. Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 13, it says this, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them. By their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit. But a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and is cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name have done many wondrous works, wonderful works. Then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him, I will compare him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. The rain descended, and the floods came, and the, the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it, the house, fell not. For or because it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, he shall be likened 
unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it, the house, fell, and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people, they were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. I love those last two verses, verse 28 and 29, because Jesus ends it and it's one of those moments that everybody's there like going, just doing this. You ever had those moments? You're in, in, in a, maybe you go to a, a drama or something. We've been to Broadway and seen those shows. And, and there's those moments, you know, where you're just like, man, that was amazing. Listen, magnify that by, by a number that you probably can't even think of. And that's what they were. They were astonished. They were completely amazed. That word astonished, it means they were in awe. They were in utter just marvel at his doctrine. What's that mean? They were astonished at the teaching. This is so contrary to what we think. But then I love verse 29. Because verse 29, it says this, and we're not going to spend time on it today. I just want to highlight it. It says, for or because he taught them as one having authority. You know what they realized? They realized this is God in the flesh. He didn't teach as one given authority. He taught as one who was the authority. Can I help us understand something today, a very simple principle that we started with and that we're going to end with today? The last comparison Jesus made was this. If you will build your life upon my word, you will find stability and you will find security. And if you don't, I'll liken you to a foolish man and you're, the life, it'll, just, it'll be destroyed. Today we're going to realize Jesus bringing all of these words into that one thought and one choice that we should make. God, I'm going to build my life on you. I'd like to pray with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Let's just commit the time to the Lord. And in the quietness of your own heart, would you just ask God to speak to you? You can pray something simple. Dear God, please speak to me. And then make a commitment that if God speaks to you, that you'll respond to him. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. And thank you, God, for the word and how you use it to shape us and to help us. And Lord, I pray in these next few minutes as we go through the passage before us today, I want to ask you, Lord, that you would, um, that you would help us to have clear thinking I pray, Lord, that you would give clear application into each of our lives. And, uh, Lord, I, I don't know every need in here, God, and I know that you do. So I pray that you would speak through the words that I give today, that they would be your words, and that you'd speak to every need in every heart. And, God, if there are those here that do not know for certain that heaven is where they would spend eternity, I pray that today would be the day they put their faith and their trust in you alone. We love you, God. We thank you for your love. We thank you for what you're going to do right now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You go ahead and be seated. <clears throat> As we come to the passage this morning and the decisions and consequences that we must make and face, 
I want us to notice just a few things. As we open up the pages or the verses before us, I want us to see, first of all, the story of two ways. The story of two ways or the story of, of two directions. We find this listed for us in verse number 13 and verse 14. Notice these verses, if you will, with me. Verse number 13, Jesus said this, Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be that uh, are many there be that which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, but few there be that find it. Through these verses, we find the story of two ways. The first way is the broad way. The broad way or the, uh, the wide gate. The broad way is one that from our passage, we can gather a few things. First, it's well-traveled. Many there be that, that go that way. Uh, it's well-known. Because, because of it being well-traveled, we know that the broad way is, is well-known. The broad way, it, it brings many companions. This wide gate, if you will, it, it seems a little bit easier. It's the, it's the road that's a little bit straighter. It's the road that is a little bit better to the eye. But the broad way, that wide gate, the end thereof, the end of verse number 13 or middle of it, it says, it leads to destruction. All right, here's a choice. You can go down the broad way. You can go down the wide gate. You'll have companions. There's a lot of people on it. It's very well known. It's the easier route. But in the end, it leads to destruction. On the contrary is the narrow way. The narrow way or the straight gate. The straight gate, the narrow way is from the passage. It's contradictory to the broad way. It's not traveled by many. It is not known by many. The narrow way, it is seen as a challenging, difficult road. The narrow way can often be lonely. But the narrow way, if you read verse 14... The narrow way is the way which leadeth unto life. What's the simple thought that Jesus is bringing forth to his, his followers on this day and to us as we read this? The, the simple thought is this, you choose your path. The simple thought is you choose your path. Now, I will tell you this morning that... You and I, we choose the path, the direction that we go down. You choose the, the broad way that leads to destruction, or you choose the narrow way that leads to life. And what Christ is presenting to them is something that is their choice. Will they live a life that is blessed, or will they live a life that ends in ruin? And I want us to understand two very simple thoughts this morning about this point, that this applies, number one, it applies to salvation. Number one, it applies to salvation. We know this because Jesus ties in some verses in verse 21 through 23. Because here's what Jesus says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he, only he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. 
You see, many will stand before the Lord at the day of judgment and they will say unto the Lord, they'll say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name, we've cast out devils. And in thy name, we have done many, many wonderful works. Jesus said on that day, well, I profess, I will say it right to their face. Four words that you never want to hear. Four words that nobody wants to hear. I never knew you. I never knew you. What is Jesus speaking about in verse 14 or verse 13 and 14 and verse 21 through 23? Jesus is speaking specifically about salvation. Understanding this truth, when it says broad is the way, <clears throat> understanding the cultural context of everything in that day, the Pharisees, we've referred to them before as the Judaizers, they, would, they were teaching that you could be close to God if you were religious. You could be close to God if you followed the law. You'd be close to God if you knew the Torah and you could be like the scribes or the lawyers who knew the law. You, you could be close to God if religion is a great part of your life. Can I help us understand something? That's the broad way. Because that's the easy way. Let's be honest. It's easy to be religious. It's easy to be religious. I mean, think about some of the uh, uh, most, uh, um, uh, most sold-out religions in the world. I'm not trying to be mean or crude or anything, but they're, they're easy. It's easy to just go and confess your sins to a man and then live how you want. It's easy to, to go and live a checkbox life. Well, I did that. Yeah, I did that. Yeah, I did that. That's easy. That's the broad way. And Jesus said, there's going to be people who stand before him at the day of judgment, and they're going to say, Lord, we, we, we did mighty things in your, hand, in your name. Uh, God, I was a follower of you. And Jesus is going to say to them, depart from me. I never knew you. Why? Because they were on the easy road. They were on the broad road. But the narrow way, the straight gate, that gate, that's the one that is the hard way. Because it says the only person that gets into heaven is the one who does the will of my father. Now some would say, oh, well that means that we have to do things to get to heaven. No, 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 no. What is the will of God? I'm going to give it to you out of Peter. Peter wrote it this way. Always compare scripture with scripture. You'll find great doctrine if you compare things with scripture. Here's what Peter said. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know what the will of God is? The will of God is that you and I would put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ alone, that we wouldn't put dependence upon religion, but instead that we would put it upon the finished work of what Jesus did on the cross. And so the truth is, when you look at this, we need to understand that Jesus is specifically talking about your salvation. The wide gate leads to destruction. That religious way, it, it leads to emptiness. It leads to eternal damnation. But that narrow gate, that straight way, that's the way that leads to life everlasting. So while this does apply 
This does apply to salvation. It applies specifically to knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. I want us to understand, secondly, this morning that I believe, not only does it apply to salvation, but it applies just understanding that there are easy choices and hard choices in life. And sometimes the easy way is not the best way. So while we need to know that going the direction of the Lord, it begins with receiving him as your savior. I mean, the Bible says there is no salvation in any other. It's the name of Jesus that every knee will bow. It says that verse that I quoted a second ago, that God is not slack concerning his promise to some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. While this does apply to salvation, we need to know that each and every day we choose the direction of our life. We choose if we're going to go God's way or if we're going to go our selfish way. But going God's direction begins with choosing salvation. Does that make sense this morning? And every single one of us need to understand that the most important decision we could ever make, the story of two ways, am I on the religious way to heaven or am I on the real way to heaven? Have I trusted in my works or have I trusted completely in Jesus Christ and his finished work of the death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. I see the story of two ways this morning, but then I see the story of two trees. I see the story of two trees in this passage. Notice what the Bible says in verse 15 down through verse number 20. It says, beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. I'll stop right there. As Jesus Christ is encouraging them to choose his way in life, he, he, he warns them of those teachers that are going to come and be false teachers. You see, the Lord knew that one of the ways the devil will uh, come in to distract people, to get them to become the mindset of a hypocrite, that's what Jesus has been speaking about, the Pharisees, the hypocrites, God knows that a way, or excuse me, the devil knows that a way to get you and I thinking hypocritical thinking is by bringing in false teaching, by bringing in things that may sound right to the ear, but it doesn't compare to scripture. Jesus actually says they appear to be the real deal, but on the inside, they're ravening wolves. The word ravening, it means rapacious, or we would use the phrase excessively greedy, excessively greedy. These teachers, they're only really concerned about themselves and their own thoughts and their own ways. And, and Jesus says, you want to know a real teacher versus a false teacher? You want to know how you can tell a real Christian versus a false Christian? He continues, you shall know them by their fruits. You shall know them by their fruits. We read here of a good tree bringing forth good fruit and a corrupt tree bringing forth evil fruit. A tree or a plant is known by its fruit. If I held an apple up here today and I tried to tell you that the apple came from an orange tree, and I, I mean, I, I just yelled it and I just preached that an apple came from an orange tree and I got up and I was blue in the face and sweating and hopping the rose, you know, and you're like, man, he really believes that that apple came from an orange tree. You still wouldn't believe that the apple came from an orange tree. Why? Well, duh, that's common sense. Now, you might be able to, I might be able to go to the preschool class and convince them, but I'm not convincing anybody that's five or six years old or up. 
Some of you losing your mind, maybe I could convince you of it, but my dad I'm a little concerned about sometimes, but he hangs out with my mom, so it just kind of rubs off. I'm just teasing. You know what? I could stand here until I'm blue in the face and can try to convince you that an apple came from an orange tree, and you'd say no. No, why? Because an orange tree bears oranges. An apple tree bears apples. This is what Jesus talks about in these verses. He says, if you go, he says in verse number, uh, verse number 16, do, you, do men gather grapes of thorns? Are you going to go to a thorn bush and pick grapes off? No. Are you going to go to thistles and pick off figs? No, you're not going to do that. We were in Israel. And I'm, if I go into de- depression tonight after service, it's because I'm supposed to be on my way to Israel. Our, our trip was this year, you know, we were leaving tonight, leaving in the morning. Those of us going to Israel, we're going to walk around a little discouraged today. But uh, man, uh, last year when I was there and the year before that, we'd be in those, in those um, areas and they'd have the, um, those amazing thorn trees. And there, I mean, those thorns, those are long thorns. And I've showed pictures of them. I have some in my office and some at the house and those are long thorns. You know what I never saw in one of those thorn trees? I never saw grapes. How many of you know the thistles that grow up here in Washington? Uh, if you go to the west side, those thistle bushes are everywhere, you know. One time we were driving with some friends from Oklahoma, and uh, it was when I was singing with a two, uh, singing group, and we were traveling around, and we knew the northwest, and we knew those thistle bushes, and one of the guys said, oh, man, those bushes look so soft. We were driving down an alley. He said, those, those bushes look so soft. And one of our other friends was like, yeah, they're really soft. Actually, while we're dri- we were driving down this alley, going, you know, 10 miles an hour, said, if you reach out and grab one, if you grab one, you can, it just breaks off right away, and you, you can, like, pet it. It's really soft. And this guy from Oklahoma, he was like, oh, okay, or Kansas. He's like, yeah, I'll do that. He reached out and grabbed that. Well, you know, those things don't break off easy. So you know what happened is his hand ran all the way down that thistle bush, and he opened his hand, and yeah, you, you can guess it. Those little needles were just, I mean, all over everything. His whole hand was just nasty and red and swollen. Of course, we were all dying laughing. <laughs> but you know what I've never seen? I've never seen somebody go to a thistle bush and pick off figs. It's never happened. Why? Because the tree bears its kind. Here's what Jesus is getting at in this passage. He's going to say, you want to be able to tell a real teacher, real Christian from a false teacher, false Christian? Just look for fruit. Oh, well, we'd say, well, pastor, what, what kind of fruit could there be? Well, I think of Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. Here's some great fruit to look for. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, Faith, meekness, temperance. The story of two trees. You see, every life is going to bear fruit. I'm going to bear fruit of the Spirit more like God, or I'm going to bear fruit of the flesh. And the fruit of the flesh is listed before this, and it goes through just a number of sins. And the truth is, and this is what I'm going to point out very quickly, is that for you and I, as we go through our life and as we go through every day, 
as we go through our days, some of us will want to go here and say, oh, this is how I can tell a real Christian from another Christian, a real Christian from a false Christian is I better look at people's lives. And this gives me permission to judge others. All right, let's go back to the beginning of the chapter. Judge not lest ye be judged. Hey, don't worry about the, about the moat in someone else's eye if you have a beam in yours. Here's what I want us to understand, that really we can take these verses in Matthew 7, Matthew 7 verses um, 15 through 17 right there, and we can understand this thought. What's the fruit in my life? What is my life showing? Does my life show forth love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance? In my home, is my character represented by these statements? My life should bear fruit. Because the truth is that a person can know Jesus Christ and still not bear fruit. Because bearing fruit is a choice. I choose to be more like Christ every day or I choose to follow myself every day. So I must choose the straight gate for salvation, but I also must choose God's way in my life. The story of two ways. The story of two trees. Notice, lastly with me then, the story of two houses. The story of two houses, this is where we started a, a number of weeks ago as we looked at this series, the, the story of two houses. This is listed in verse 24 through 27 where Jesus simply says, if you will choose, if you will choose to build your life upon these words, upon my words, upon this transformational truth that I have been giving, if you will choose to build your life on this, I, God, will liken you. I will compare you to a wise man who has built his house upon a solid foundation. And the storms are going to come. Trials are going to happen. Rain is going to come upon your life. But if you are built upon me, you will find that at the end of the day, you're still standing. You're still founded. Why? Because you are founded, you are built upon, you are grounded in a rock. However, if you choose not to build upon my words, if you choose not to go my direction, if you choose, number one, not to receive me, destruction is the end. If you choose in your life, all right, I'll receive God, but then I will go my own way, you will miss out on stability and security, and you will miss out on the life that I have for you, and I will liken you unto a foolish man who has built his house upon the sands. And when the storms come, and the rains descend, and the waters come up, your house, your life is going to face destruction. We started a moment ago understanding that there are decisions we should make. Some decisions don't have a clear consequence, and so it's kind of like, well, I don't care where we eat. You know, I really don't care what you get me for Christmas. That, it's not a big deal. But I do care where my life ends up. I do care if my family ends in ruin. I do care if I look back on my life saying, I wish I would have, or I'm glad I did. And this morning as Jesus comes to closing out this passage and going to this area of, of uh, looking at the two houses, the simple truth that Jesus is trying to get across and that I hope that we would have heard in all the last eight messages and this being message number nine in our series is this thought that I choose, I choose to build my life upon his word. And the fact is that I choose to build my life upon his word or not. I choose one or the other. I choose my direction or I choose God's direction. I choose my way. Listen, it starts at salvation. We all know this. 
No one gets to heaven on their own way. No one gets to heaven by their own works. No one gets to heaven by trusting in themselves. No, broad is the way. That religious way, it leads to hell. But when I choose Jesus Christ as my Savior, I am on the narrow path for eternity. But the fact of the matter is, every day I choose what I build my life on. Every day I choose if my house is built upon him and my life is built upon him. Every day I choose if fruit is going to come out that says I belong to him or fruit is going to come out of my life that says I live in the flesh. I choose. There's so many places in scripture where we are encouraged to build upon the word of God and uh, everyone has trials. Listen, everyone has challenges. Everyone has uh, rain that descends in their life and floods that come up in their life. But the truth is this, that when I build upon the word of God, my life finds stability and my life finds security. The psalmist said it this way in Psalm 19, verse number seven, said, the law of the Lord is perfect. It is complete, converting the soul. The testimony, another way of saying the word of the Lord, it is sure making wise the simple. Man, it can make the most simple person seem wise. You go to Acts chapter number four, and it says that the Pharisees and the religious leaders, they marveled at the preaching of these unlearned and ignorant men. And a little bit later, it says that the unlearned and ignorant men literally turned the known world upside down for the cause of Jesus Christ. Why? Because when you build your life upon his word, you could be the most simple person in all the world, but God the Father looks down and says, you did it. You built your life upon me. I declare you as wise. And I don't want this world saying, wow, he's a wise person. I would much rather want God saying, wow, that's a wise person. And you know what God says? If you build your life on my word, I will compare you to a wise person. In the law of the Lord, it's sure. Converting the soul, the testimonies of the Lord, they they are sure making wise the simple. Psalm 119, 160, the word is true from the beginning. And every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. You see, when you and I choose to build our life upon the word of God, listen, when you wake up tomorrow morning on Monday morning and you say, today, I'm going to build my life upon the word of God, you know what you're doing? You're building your life upon a foundation that is sure and a foundation that endureth forever. Paul wrote it this way in 2 Thessalonians 3, 3. He said, the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and keep you from evil. When I build my life upon his word, I must must know and understand that God says, you are wise, you are building on something that endures forever, and I will establish you. The kids always sing it this way. And you might know the song where it says, the wise man built his house upon the rock. And it goes through, the wise man built his house upon the rock. Wise man built his house upon the rock and the rains came tumbling down. Rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up and the house on the rock stood firm. But the foolish man, he built his house on the sand. Rains came down, floods came up, and the foolish man's house, it says this, but the house on the sand went splat. I don't know who wrote that song, little kid's song, 
but it's perfect doctrine. You know why? Jesus said it. So I come to this passage this morning. And I'm studying and I'm looking at this passage this, this last week and, and planning out the series, you know, months ago and, and thinking about the last message. And I'm thinking, well, we started, we started with Matthew 7, 24 through 27. That's where the whole thing began. We already preached one on build your life upon the word of God. And so I'm thinking, God, I don't want to repeat myself. And I felt like the Lord was like, why? Because it's worth repeating. Because the fact of the matter is, you can look at this passage and we can see the story of two ways. What is the direction of your life? Have you received Jesus Christ as your Savior? We can see the story of two trees. Man, is your life bearing fruit? Can people look at you and say, you know what? I know that they are a follower. I know that they believe. Or do people look at you and say, eh, what do you look at? What, looks at, what, what do you see when you look at you? The story of two ways, the story of two trees, the story of two houses. But I want to close today by asking you this question. What's your story? I want to ask you, your, I, want, I want you, not, not your spouses, not your kids, not your coworkers, not the person sitting next to you, not the friend or the loved one here at church. What's your story? What does your story say? I ask this question by giving you three questions. Number one, are you saved? I want to ask you, do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt if you died today, you'd go to heaven? What have you been trusting in? Have you been trusting in religion? Have you been trusting in your works? Have you been trusting in the easy road? Have you been trusting in your way? Or have you come to the place where you realize that you are a sinner in need of a savior and the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ? It is not about Jesus plus anything. It is Jesus, him, and him alone. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Well, pastor, I've been baptized. That will not get you to heaven. Well, pastor, I go to church. That will not get you to heaven. I give. That will not get you to heaven. I'm a good person. That will not get you to heaven. The only thing that's going to get you and I to heaven is if we put our faith and our trust solely, completely, singularly in Jesus Christ. It is Jesus plus nothing. Are you saved? Eternally, what road are you on? The broad way, religion's way, leads to destruction, doing it my way? Or the straight, the narrow way that says I put my faith and my trust completely in him? Are you saved? What's your story? Are you saved? Number two, are you growing? In order to bear fruit, I've got to be growing in him. In order to bear fruit, in order to have love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, in order to have these things, fruit can't come apart from the vine. And Jesus said in John chapter 15 and verse number five, I am the vine and you're the branches. He that abideth in me shall bring forth much fruit. Abiding in him, having that daily relationship with him, if you and I are having a daily relationship with him, you know what God says? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work the fruit in your life. You see, you and I, we can't like make fruit happen. You know, I've never walked past an apple tree and the apple tree is speaking going, apple, 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 apple. 
We have a huge apricot tree in our backyard. That huge apricot tree, I've never heard it going, apricot, 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 apricot. Never heard it. You can't force fruit. Fruit comes through health. A healthy tree is going to bear fruit. A healthy Christian is going to bear joy, love, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Are you saved? And what direction is your eternal life going? Are you growing? Are you bearing fruit? And the last one, are you building? Are you building your life upon his word? Words to live by. There's thousands of voices screaming for our attention. There's thousands of voices screaming into your life to build upon their truth, their political idea, their uh, conspiracy theory, their common sense. There, there's thousands of voices calling for you and I to build upon them. But all of those voices, all of those voices lead to the house going splat. The only voice that is worth following that leads to stability, security, and that life purpose that God has for us, the only voice to listen to is his. So what should I do? I should choose to build on him. Choose to build upon him. Choose each and every day to establish your life upon Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.